0: Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. We're in our series, How Do I? This month here, looking at the key areas of life and, and how do we live it out, lead it, do it, make it happen, find success in God's terms as we follow Jesus. And so last week we kicked it all off by how do I live out my calling, and today we're talking about how do I engage my family, um, and, and really the, the overall goal of this series as we look at all the different areas in life that are key is that we would see the importance of how we were made and what that means for, for everything in life as we look at our calling, as we look at how to engage our family, the career that you're in or the role that you, you have in life as a mom or a dad or a a homeschool mom or a stay-at-home mom or a retired couple or whatever it may be, as we look at the relationships that we have, major ones, minor ones, uh, key areas, love interests, all of that, and then as we make sense of it all, and really the goal every single week is the same, that we would know the designer. Because if we know the designer, God himself, and what he says, we're going to live successful according to how he determines success is meant to be in our lives. Um, and, and I know there are challenges in life. We all face them, whether it's at work or at home or as a husband or wife or, or you're, you're trying to date or you're trying to find the person to date or should I keep dating that person? And as you try to transition to be an empty nester or, or maybe you, all of a sudden you have only teens in your house and so you don't have any hair on your head or whatever it might be in life, no one ever pulled out their hair over their kids, right? Um, I still have mine, praise God. Um, but we, we have a lot in life, a lot on our plate, and that's normal for everybody because everybody has plates and they all look different. But then we have a culture that is always trying to choke out humanity. The culture, the world around us wants to control us and it doesn't know what to do. It'd be like... Telling your four-year-old, you run the household and you drive the car. They wouldn't know what to do. They don't have the ability. God's the only one that knows what to do to do life right. He's the one that designed it all. So we got to know him. And yet we have all these challenges around us and we go through stuff. And I really felt like the Lord said, and whoever's running my slides, you, they're, they're not at fault if I get off track here because I really felt like as I was actually praying for the families up here, the Lord had to shift a little bit of direction here. So uh, if you track with me, good on you. If you don't, that's not your fault. Um, you can get the notes from me in fullness later. But I felt like the Lord wanted a time of prayer to start because I know people are going through stuff. You're, you're going through, you have questions, you have concerns, you have anxieties. Uh, I know that our, our 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 youth these days are dealing with so much pressure. A world around them that is just fighting nonstop, that they live in in America and and yet they've never experienced such infighting in our nation and and yet they're just trying to go to school because they're supposed to and there's all this pressure from a a crazy world uh, around them and culture that wants to choke them out And, and I know that our kids are just struggling too. I know that as moms and dads, you struggle with, with just the normalcy of raising your kids, but then you look at the world around you. I know that for some, you've experienced loss recently. And, and maybe it, it's normal that loss happens, but it still hurts, or maybe it was a shocker. For some, it's a health challenge or a relationship challenge, and you're just finding yourself like, ah, it's hard. And I felt like the Lord said, I want to minister to hearts as we kick off. Because to know the designer, we got to know that the designer's heart is for us. I've been impressed on that this whole weekend over and over. Everything I've read and done and anytime I've done anything with my kids, whether I'm just sitting there enjoying a movie or we're playing something or they're explaining some drawing that I can't quite figure out or whatever it might be. I just, my heart is for my kids. And I felt like the Lord said, As much as your heart is for your kids, Scott, my heart is perfectly for everyone I've ever created. I want them to know what I have for them. And yet, there's so many distractions in life. Whether we get distracted or or stuff happens around us. And I felt like the Lord said, I just want to minister to my my sons and daughters today. So if you would just allow it right where you are, if you wouldn't mind, just, just closing your eyes and just receiving from the Lord, and you may not even believe him. Maybe you're listening today, you're watching, or you're here, and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. Here's the thing, he's still for you. He's still for you. He was for you from before he formed you in your mother's womb. For those of us that follow Jesus, he was for us when we were against him. Romans 5, 8 tells us that, that he died for us while we are yet sinners against him. So he's always for you. He wants to bless your life and encourage you and show you the way. He wants the Holy Spirit that either lives in you because you're a believer or or is waiting to move in when you make the decision to follow Jesus. He wants the Holy Spirit to comfort and counsel you in everything. So would you just receive today what what the Lord has for you? And maybe while I'm praying, if you have something on your heart that you just really need, just say it to him. Lord, I need peace. I need, I need relief from this anxiety. I, I got to stop worrying, God. My heart's broken over what just happened. I don't know how to raise my kids in this world. I feel overwhelmed. I need help at work. Whatever it is, you just let him know and just receive from a good God who loves you and is for you. God, we come before you today here in this building those that are watching, those who are listening, and, and we ask, would you, just, would you just minister your peace? Would you just blanket us with your grace, that favor that only you can give? You're the only one that can truly give grace that's grace. You're the only one that can, can bestow mercy that's real mercy. You're the only one that can give us love that's real love because you actually are love. Would you, just, would you just drop it on us right now? Every son and daughter in this room, that they would just feel your presence, know your presence, understand your heart, even if it, it's just an inkling of understanding we get today, that we'd understand your heart for us, that the creator God who has always been is for me. You would just take that in the Creator God who has always been and does everything and makes everything and needs nothing is for you for you. sees that hurt, he sees that pain, he sees that need, he sees that struggle, he sees that fear, he sees that anxiety, he sees that that angst, he sees he sees it all and And he knows and he loves you and he's for you. And he will come through. Just receive it. He's the designer of your heart. He has a plan for your life. And he will see it through if you'll just follow. And whatever need you have, you just let him know. Even if you're afraid to say it to him because maybe it makes it real to you and you're trying to keep it a lid on it, just let it go to him. And just trust it in his hands. Watch a trustworthy God be trustworthy for you. A faithful God show his faithfulness to you. He's not against you. He's for you. You don't bother him. You bless him. He's not angry with you, frustrated with you. He thinks you're amazing. Because that's who He made. You're spectacular in the eyes of the Creator, and just receive that and live in that. It's not a one-time thing. You take today, you live in that, and we thank you for loving us that much, God. In Your name, we pray. Amen. So I'm going to go a little off track of my notes. I actually the other day I had enough notes for like four classes. Or four sessions, I was like, oh, I can't do that. Uh, uh, so maybe we'll do a class. I don't know uh, down the line, and I'll have all my notes. But um, I actually want to start in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Uh, really, a, a Moses kind of adding on to what I share with the families up here. I'm going to read some stuff for you about about legacy because we're talking about engaging family as a mom, as a dad, as parents together, uh, as kids in their family, as as uh, maybe grandparents influencing, uh, whoever it is, we, we all have this opportunity to engage family. It does fall first and foremost to mom and dad. That is our job. Uh, it can feel like a lot of pressure. It is. Uh, but we have the God who, who makes a way where, in the, in the way he designed it on our side. So as we look at what a successful family is, we know that it doesn't happen by accident. We engage, we pursue. But Deuteronomy tells us about this legacy that we can leave if we choose. And, and it does take work. It's, it's more in depth in chapter 11 than chapter 6. And it gives blessings and warnings. Again, Moses talks about saying it again and again and again. That This, this is how legacy gets left behind. And, and, and in chapter 11, verses 8 to 32, I'm just going to hit some highlights Moses says, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today so you may have strength to do what God asks of you. It's actually God here speaking through Moses. He says, if you obey, you will enjoy a long life and you'll leave a legacy. By obey, he's talking about this. Follow this word, live it out, and you'll leave a long life and a legacy. Love the Lord your God and serve me with all your heart and soul. Hold to these words of mine. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. He says the same thing he said a few chapters earlier. Write them on the doorposts of your house. What he's saying is make it a normal thing that the word of God happens in your house. By writing them on the doorpost, you always see them when you come in and, and strangers and guests and visitors and and, and family that come to visit, they see the word of God in your home as they walk in. He says, show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Then the Lord will drive out all of those enemies of your life and your livelihood and your nation. Anything that tries to come against you, culture, uh, influence from having to live in this world or maybe send your kids to school, uh, what we see on TV, what the world tells us is the right thing to do in in that second of life because they change like we, we change channels on a television. Anything that tries to influence that doesn't line up with this, he says, I'll drive them out if you'll live this out. He says, look, today I'm giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. Now, who's going to choose a curse purposefully? Now, if I put this aside, I never open this up. I only talk about it or I just let the pastor talk about it on Sundays to my kids. That's choosing a curse. I don't, I don't go into it going, man, I, I'm excited for the curse this week on my family, right? But if I say someone else is in charge and my kids know in Jesus... Uh, and then hopefully we can get out of here as fast as possible. We'll do our one hour and 20 minutes a week and, and then let that be it. That's choosing a curse. This is a fantastic time to worship and celebrate and fellowship. That can't be at all. And we got to play a part as parents in it. You'll be blessed if you obey my commands. But you will invite a curse if you aren't careful to follow my design. That's why we're wanting to know the designer of all things and how he designed specifics in our life so that we can know the design and not invite a curse. No one that I know of in life would want to invite a curse into their family, yet it happens all the time, usually by apathy and ignorance. And from the very beginning, we see in the garden, Satan's been coming after family, came after Adam and Eve, he came after Cain and Abel. He... He realizes the, the purpose that a family has in God's design, and so he's going after it first. He wants to take out a family because that can wreck the design of God as much as possible. He knows he loses in the end, but Satan will still wreak havoc until that end comes. Now, sometimes we look at it and go, well, why don't you just end it then, God? <laughs> like, finish him off. We don't have to work, worry about it anymore. But God's design is, hey, there's still lost people out there. I want to give them more chance. I want to give them more of an opportunity. That's 2 Peter 3. That he's long-suffering. He's patient so that all would come to know him. So he doesn't just say, hey, I'm just going to let Satan have some more leeway in your lives. It's, no, I want more people to get saved. You just follow me and do this, and the more people are going to get saved, and your kids are going to grow up to know me, and I'm going to save lost people and populate heaven. So asking the question, how do I engage my family is huge. The only way to get the answer that brings success is to know the designer. And it always benefits us when the design that God has for us is lived out. Success comes in our lives when we live it out. And then with it, blessings and peace and all signs pointing to Jesus all the time. In Matthew 6... Verses 19 through 34, Jesus is talking, and he's talking about treasures in heaven, and he's, he's talking about doing what matters most, and he's, he's warning us against pursuing those things that are, that are idols or that, that can, can, can suck us in. And, and he's talking about us storing up treasures in heaven by the way we live on earth. He says in verse 19, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves. Verse 21, he said, Jesus says, For your heart will always pursue, and your thoughts will always be on those things that you treasure the most. Those thing, things that you esteem as treasure. That's where your heart and your thoughts will go to. Now, he uses money here, or the pursuit of money, because at the end of it, everything we do is the pursuit of something that that would be monetary for us. It might be, hey, I gotta have my kid be the most successful kid on the planet. That's money to me. He uses money, money, uh, because we all know what that is. But anything that tries to usurp Jesus' place in our life Becomes money to us, it becomes that idol to us. He goes on in verses twenty-two through thirty-two. Jesus is talking about vain ambitions and pursuits, choices that we make. He says, If your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate, and darkness takes its place. We I mean, think about it, that's heavy. If my eyes are on something other than Jesus, other than his word, the light can't penetrate my life. The light can't penetrate my kids' lives. The light can't penetrate my home. And darkness takes its place. Again, I don't think there's anybody in here who'd say, I I want darkness to take its place in my life and my home. I don't think anybody would do that. Yet, without thinking about it, and this is the enemy's syrupy scheme, he tries to get our minds off of a willful choice to invite darkness. And, hey, everybody else is doing that or... Hey, you know Johnny's pretty good at baseball. Why don't you just put everything into Johnny's baseball? Because that's going to be the be-all end-all of your family. And there's nothing wrong with baseball. I mean, it's a little boring in my opinion, but I'm not a baseball fan. I thought I heard a <gasps> over here, but whatever it is, it can be dance, baseball, uh, it can be just trying to get that Ivy League scholarship. Whatever it might be, it can be a trophy deer. It can be a second home at the beach, and I love the beach. But anything that that we pursue that that replaces Jesus invites darkness. Those things aren't evil on their own, but they can be evil by where we place them in our lives. Verse 24, Jesus is teaching about priorities and never letting something else master us because there's a choice to make. In verse 25, he says, choosing anything other than me, Jesus says, only leads to worry and anxiety because it distracts us from the point of it all, the design God has for us. You see, in verses 25 through 34, he's, he's teaching us about how to trust him in everything. And then we won't look for ways to replace him. We won't look for ways to make things happen in our own power or our own thinking. We'll have single-hearted devotion, and it brings real freedom and real life. It brings success in God's terms. Choosing to make it our own way just chokes out life. And then in verses 33 and 34, he tells us what matters most. He says, so above all, above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness, then... All these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Did you hear what Jesus said there? Pursue God and everything about God. Put God on the doorpost of your home. Talk about God in your home. When you wake up and when you go to bed, when you walk here and there, when, you, when, you, when you're hanging out at the dinner table, let Jesus be the focus of your entire life. And then the less important things will be given to you in abundance. Whoa, that's a good God. That he doesn't say, and the less important things will be stricken from the record. He doesn't say that. He just says they'll be given to you in abundance as they have their place. That you don't even focus on them, they just become gifts. The design to engage our family is to trust God, is to train up our kids, and then it takes faith. We commit to training our kids up. We trust God first and foremost. We let our families see that that Jesus matters to us. The best shot for my kids to know Jesus is for my kids to see me know Jesus. That's heavy. I'd be like, well, why can't. Sarah's better at it than me. And she probably says the same thing. But... Whether you're a single dad, a single mom, a married couple, remarried and it's a blended family, whatever it looks like. Those people you influence, kids, nieces and nephews, grandkids. You're a kid and and you're in your home and maybe you follow Jesus better than mom and dad. The best shot at anybody you love in life, for them to know Jesus is for them to see you follow Jesus. Devote your heart to Jesus You write Jesus on the doorpost of your life. And I understand that I fail too. And that's where sometimes we we struggle because it's like, ah, I've missed it for so long. I feel like I'll just, I might as well just try to be a really good wage earner. Because I how do you start again after all this? Engaging our families takes faith. Faith takes time. We don't always see, but we're not blind. You see, I don't always see where my faith's, what my faith's doing, but I trust God. My faith is in a faithful God, it's not in what I can do. And I've got to be in the Word. I've got to be in the Word. With the Holy Spirit in my heart, as Greg Laurie says, the Holy Spirit in my heart and the Word of God in my hands, I can't fail. I can't fail. The Holy Spirit of the living God who's always been and breathed on everything to give it life at creation and he moves in at salvation. Him in my heart and this word, Jesus Christ, in my hands, I can't fail. But I got to do it in community too. That's why Jesus said in John 15, stay attached to the vine. We're branches. We stay attached to the vine so we can produce And it's not just one branch per vine. It's a bunch of branches attached to one vine. So I do life with branches attached to the one vine, and they help me do life. That's why I love Wednesday Night Live. I love life studies on Sunday. I love real life groups and Bible studies. I love my kids being in youth. I can't do it all as a parent, so my kids come to youth. So moms and dads, I challenge you, don't replace Wednesday nights with your middle schooler and your high schooler. Get them here so they can be around people who are called by God to minister to youth, your kids, and teach them the ways of the Lord and love them where they are in this world that hates them. We're going to end with Psalm 16. It's an amazing chapter. We're not going to read the entire thing, but I encourage you to go home today. Start in Psalm 16. Start in Psalm 16 as a family and declare this over your home, over your life, over your family. Some versions refer to it as the golden secret. It it means that it's engraved upon our hearts in gold because it's that valued, that valuable. David wrote it, this song, engraved in gold is supposed to be on our hearts. And listen to what he says in in verse 5. He says, God, you hold my destiny and its timing in your hands. Your pleasant path leads me to pleasant places. I'm overwhelmed by the privileges that come with following you. The way you counsel me makes me praise you more for your whispers in the night. Give me wisdom showing me what to do next. And he ends it with this in verse 11. Because of you, God, I know the path of life. As I taste the fullness of joy in your presence, at your right side I experience divine pleasures forevermore. If you're feeling down and almost lifeless spiritually, if fear and anxiety are flooding your life, if you know you can't do it and you want some help, you need the Word of God. Spend time in the Bible every day. James chapter 1, I mentioned this as we were praying over the families. But in James chapter 1, James writes, he always he's a straight shooter, right? Like if Paul or Peter wrote this, it'd probably be 15 chapters, but James writes it in, you know, just a few. James 1, 5, if anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. Anybody in here at all want to be wise? At all, in anything in life? Really, does anybody want to be wise? Parent, have a job. You're you're a teacher. You're a grandparent. You're an aunt or uncle. You want to be wise? What does he say? Ask God for wisdom and he will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures. But then he goes on, he says, just make sure you ask empowered by confident faith without doubting that you'll receive. So he's saying, if you want wisdom, if you want to know how to do this or that, how to mom or dad, how to, how to raise those kids, how to raise the, the quiet one that you can't get out of the, out of the corner and how to raise the one you can't stop talking, how to raise the one that's always looking, you know, to do something, how to raise the one who, who feels overwhelmed in life. If you want to know, just ask. But be ready to respond to the answer he gives you. He might say, well, they're scared of you. Repent for being so angry and then love them. That might be the only thing needed to kickstart that. It might be pick up the Bible and read it every day and let them see you. I'm busy, God. You asked and I answered. That's what James is talking about. Be ready to, to respond. So I'm going to ask you right now to stand. And I feel like God gave me a prayer to pray over us. And if while I'm praying, you'll be willing to embrace this prayer, whatever it is, you stand in there, maybe you need to come up here. Maybe you need to come up here and receive the prayer. I feel like God gave this prayer for us to know how to engage our family by knowing his design So that we can be successful according to the God of all creation who says, I want you successful. So if you want to receive this prayer, you just receive it where you are or you come forward. We're going to have two worship songs and you can just stand here and just worship a good God right here. But I'm going to read this prayer as I felt like the Lord gave it to us. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes unless you're going to make your way up here at the altar. And just receive this and and just say, Lord, this is what I want. I want that too. Just receive right now. Thank you, God, for entrusting my family to me. Thank you for giving me the privilege of pointing them to you. Even though at times I feel so undeserving of this role and so incapable. Help me to be a true follower of yours, Jesus, with eyes to see what matters most to you. As I know you more, I know you will show me how to create an environment in my home and in my life that will reflect the truth of who you are to them. I want my family and my loved ones to know you personally because of my life. I trust the Holy Spirit in me to guide me and give me the wisdom and power to do the things that you desire, God. I am yours. Our home is yours. My children and my family are yours. Help me to lead them and love them, and encourage them, and challenge them, and show them the way. May my life be a road map towards you, Jesus, so that everyone you give me of any type of influence would know you more because I live. And where I need to change, help me change. Give me the boldness to choose what you have for me as I ask for your wisdom. We worship you now because you're worthy and I thank you so much for being for us. You're so good. You're worthy of my worship every moment of my day. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.